welcome back to an all new episode of Gabbing with Gason, hosted by me, Gason. Make sure you've got your Malibu ready, because it is time for a Gab Fest. Hi! Welcome to Gabbing with Gason. I'm your host, Gason. Or, you know, just Jason at this point. You all should know my real name. I don't know why. You've been listening for almost a year. Who knew? I didn't. It's been almost a full year since Gavin with Gason started. It is crazy. It'll be our one-year anniversary next month in April, and I don't even know why y'all keep coming back, but she does. And I appreciate it. It's very nice of you. You know, you haven't left horrible feedback, so that's good. Nobody's called me horrible names. Um... And I'm okay with that. I appreciate it. We're not one of those highfalutin, fancy, you know, leave us a review on Apple podcasts because we're just not there yet. That's okay. I think we got like two reviews on 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 um, Apple's podcast app, but I don't I don't know. And I don't even know really how Spotify works. Y'all, I don't know how anything works. You don't come here for quality anyway. You come here for quantity, I think. Maybe. I don't know. Either way... I'm, I'm tired of a pandemic and I want to get my vaccination, but I am so far on the list. So instead I will continue to stay home. But good news, my parents get their second dose on uh, Friday. So that makes me very, very excited. So by the time you're listening to this, they um, will have their second dose like two days after this airs. So, um, which I would rather they get the vaccine before I do, um, just because, you know, they had so many plans this year. It was their 50th wedding anniversary. And so we had to, um, unfortunately, they had to cancel all of their travel plans. Uh, they were going to take a trip out of the country for the first time. Um, not like on a cruise, but like an actual trip out of the country. And um, they were very, very sad. And I was very sad for them. But they're already starting to plan. They can't wait. They just want this to be over and encourage everyone to get the vaccine if you are comfortable doing so. Um, but yeah, so that's that's good news, you know. But... I'm still just aimlessly wandering around my apartment. Originally, when I started this podcast, I thought, oh, I'll do the podcast from a different room each time. Yeah, that that stopped after day after the first one. I was like, I'm not moving this stuff around the apartment. It's too much work. And I have new neighbors and I they are very loud. Oh my. I don't even know. One lady, I think, is trying to become a professional singer. I'm not really sure. I also don't think she lives on the floor that I live on. Uh, but I hear her belting out tunes all hours um, through the vent. So, you know, you're in the shower. You, you might hear a power ballad. You're making some breakfast in the kitchen. You know, maybe at that time she's singing a rage-filled song. We don't know what's going to happen. It's like a jukebox that I have no control over. Um, so we don't want that in the background. That's awful. Anyway, I guess I'll bring on my next guest. Everybody, please welcome our guesty, bestie co-host, my bestie, Kelsey. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? You know, I'm I'm okay. I feel like it's been forever, but we did just see each other virtually recently. We did. So, um, that's good, but not like... We have been trying to plan a... There's this cute little deli restaurant type place. I'm pretty sure it's a chain, right? We think they're a chain. I think they're a chain. I don't know. It's called oh, Pickleman's. Oh, yes. Pickleman's they are. I, I know what you're talking about. Yes, they are. Yeah. are they they're at least a regional chain. Okay. So we love going to Pickleman's. 
I don't know why, but we do. Well, because we always take a special trip to the Hallmark store next door so I can buy Christmas-related decor and items. And Snoopy. Um, I love Snoopy. And Snoopy. And Snoopy. Um, we have been trying to plan a Pickleman's picnic date where we can socially distance, but the weather has not been kind for that yet. Jerks. And it, it makes me... We haven't had a Pickleman's date in over a year. That's that's so sad. <laughs> it's It's horrible! I miss our I miss our time and I miss going to Hallmark. I had to go to Hallmark by myself this year and it felt weird because I had to go does. get I was I created a new tradition for my parents and my sister. I buy them a Christmas ornament, a new one every year in November now. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of started with you because I think you and I went and we bought a bunch together. And then um, this year I had to go by myself and it was really awkward and weird. And although I think the guy was flirting with me, I'm not really sure. But, Ooh, you know, if he said, hey, I definitely would have said hey back. Yes. <laughs> because he was a quarantine eight okay <laughs> wait wait is, is so that's i'm guessing from the nose up because you can't see the bottom of their face yeah. under the mask <laughs> <laughs> well like you know <laughs> when you when you when you, everybody has our own scale of attractiveness right? right like what we're attracted to and so like a normal eight would be like a quarantine 10 so, like, a quarantine eight would probably be along, like, a five or a six. Because Y'all don't judge me for this. Because the we desperation level is higher? Is that... Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. Is that it how it's like, offset? Oh, yeah. It... <laughs> I'm a horrible person. I just realized it. Like, I just told everybody my scale. I have quarantine versus non-quarantine. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, though. <laughs> I can't remember how long ago, but my friends and I used to call people Monet's. Okay. Where they, like, look great from far away, but when you got up, you're like, whoa. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, he was a quarantine eight. And if he would have said, like I said, if he would have really said, hey, I definitely would have said, hey, back. Yes. But um, I have been really good with all of that because, again, got a social distance and I, I worry about the family and, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway. Ugh. And you work from home now, right? Yes. So we've been working from home for just about a year. And in that time, uh, my company has decided that we are going to be permanently remote, uh, even after COVID issues have subsided, Uh, which uh, I am totally fine with because I do not have to worry about like educating children at home or anything like that. Uh, I think some of my coworkers that do have that extra challenge are probably struggling a little bit. Um, folks that maybe are not as technologically advanced. Um, but for me, I'm I'm all about it. I did not think that I would like it, but honestly, I love it. Yes, I'm I'm a fan. Although the drawback for me, and I don't know if we were going to talk about this later. The drawback for me is since I work from home. Uh, I live by myself. I don't go anywhere. I am like devolving into full on cat lady status. <laughs> like there are days where I don't even remember to go out and get my mail. Uh, oh. But I think I think that's been because of the weather. I'm hopeful now that the weather is getting nicer that I'll have some excuses to uh, get out of the house here and there. Yeah, um, same. I mean, I do make myself go out and grocery shop. Um mm-hmm which I know you're not really supposed to do, but I still wear a mask. I still do social distancing, but it's my way of getting out. Like right. when, when it first happened, I had everything delivered mm-hmm. and I realized how much money I was spending in delivery and tips. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you need to, I think the first month I ordered something from Amazon every single day. Uh, you probably were not the only one. I think that was probably a, 
consistent yeah. trend. Yeah. I'm still paying for it now, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, you and I met... How long have we been friends? Four years? Three years? I never remember how long I've been friends with people. Every show I ask. I think... I think it's four years. I think we're I coming think up so. on four years. I think so. Mm-hmm. We met at the Pride organization that I, um, that I'm a part of, and I did not know you Mm-mm. when we met. <laughs> and you wanted to be on my team, which yes. I ran our entertainment team. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay, great. I know nothing about this person. <laughs> I hope you like my leadership style." I think I, I don't think I ever called you out on anything. I think we worked pretty well together. No, I would say um, I used you as a soundboard quite often. Yes. yes. Uh, because our personalities go together very, very well. Mm-hmm. I can be a lot more um, extroverted and think yes. on a grand, grand scale. Whereas I needed you to help kind of bring that introvert out in me and then also mm-hmm. kind of rein me in. And make sure that you were eating and drinking. <laughs> You started a trend that still happens to this day. Forcing Gatorade into your hands. <laughs> that was the best. I tried to argue that one time when you're like, oh, okay, cool. Drink this anyway. <laughs> like, like, you were so firm but nice. And I knew that you were not playing around. Like, I felt like you would have knocked me down and forced it down my throat anyway. I, I would have if it had gotten to that. Yeah. Which I appreciated because nobody had ever really done that before until mm. you joined. Like, yeah, everybody I was think... like, oh, you know, did you remember? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, Pam did a little bit, but I, mm-hmm. not to the level that you did. Yeah, I think, so I had some background when I was in college. Um, I was our concert chair for activities committee. And um, so I knew what it liked to be the one that was, like, in charge of the event all day. Mm-hmm. And realizing after eight hours that I hadn't had any water, hadn't had anything to eat. Um, so wanting to make sure that that did not happen to you as well. Because it's easy to get caught up in everything oh, yeah. and just forget. And so a um, little bit of the maternal instincts coming out there. I appreciated it. There was one point where you were like, have you eaten? And I was like, no, but I will in a little bit. And then you were like, what do you want? And I was like, oh, I'll probably get some. I think it was nachos or something from one of the food trucks. Mm-hmm. And then I turned around to go do something. And by the time I got back to talk to you again, you were already gone, got a plate of food, and then you go yelled at me to go sit down. You had the stage. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's a really good thing. I mean, last year we didn't unfortunately have the festival. And the year after that, um, being a volunteer takes a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. just in a normal role. But like what you did with our organization was much more on a larger scale. Like you took on a very large leadership role and, and um, decided to kind of take a step back for a little bit. And so when you stepped back, I realized I was like, I don't have anybody that's telling me to eat today. <laughs> I had to remind myself. Forgot to put that in the uh, handoff yeah. instructions. Make sure Jason <laughs> eats. <laughs> they were all reminding me to drink. Nobody was reminding me to eat. And I was like, okay, well, all right. <laughs> what I need next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, mama herself loves to eat. So if I'm eating, you're eating. This is true. This is true. <laughs> That's why I love because we'll, we'll have like, what did we have? It wasn't a, we didn't, was it a barbecue at your house that we did? Yeah. We kind of brought food and hung out and I brought uh, 14 different potato salads. Yes. Which was honestly like the best thing because you, you know, you go to the grocery store and you see that they make their potato salads and you're like, well, I'm not going to like 
by myself just get like six different potato salads to try. So I appreciated that you made that effort for all of us so that we could try. (laughs) I I think it's now my thing. Whenever I go places, I will make sure to bring at least three different kinds of potato salad. If it's a big event, you get this full six. You get the full range of whatever the grocery store has. Because the bonus part is when it's time to go home, I take all those potato salads back with me. And then I have a fridge full of potato salad. And if there's one thing that I love more than a certain coconutty liquor beverage, it's potato salad. Yes. I love it. I love cold potato salad, warm potato salad, vinegary potato salad, mm. egg potatoes. I know. I just love potatoes. I'm, I'm going to push back on the warm. That, that's that's not a thing for me. It is a thing. Have you had fried potato salad? Mm. I don't, I've never heard of that. I'm skeptical. I, I mean, basically, they just deep fry the potatoes and then mix them with a bunch of stuff, but mm. it's delicious. Okay, maybe I could get behind that. I don't know. I love me a potato, man. Oh, potatoes are so good. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. So, yeah, if you want to send me a gift, a coupon to grocery stores for potato salad, please don't mail potato salad because... Yeah. Um, I don't want, I don't even know what you could get besides, you could get salmonella from potato salad, right? Yeah, especially because I think with like mayo that has eggs and yeah, Yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to F with that. No, just, um, just, just send me money and I'll go buy it myself. (laughs) (laughs) To feed your potato salad habit. (laughs) I don't think I told you this. When, when like we were on lockdown, like the governor was like, mask mandate, stay at home, blah, blah, blah. Uh, my friend Kyle, guesty bestie Kyle, who's been on a few times on the show, um, we went to go buy lockdown supplies. And Kyle is a foodie. He's, uh, I'm going to call him pretentious. So I would say <laughs> it to his face anyway. So, like, it's so funny. You look at Kyle's cart and it's full of, like, all this healthy stuff and, like, good liquor. And then he's like, what's in your cart? I had a tub of chocolate ice cream, a two-pound thing of potato salad, bottles of Malibu, and some chips. Some mad dog. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I clearly forget that I'm no longer in my early 20s and living away from home for the first time like yes. i'm just like no this is this is my quarantine supplies it'll be fine can i so i i have a confession to make so um because of quarantine i've not been drinking as much i'm more a social drinker kind of for the fun of it with when friends are around and uh my team at work has established a bi-weekly happy hour and i dial in every now and then whenever i can and about a month ago i dialed in and um i had been a lucky recipient a couple years ago of one of those um, Aldi Advent wine calendars. Oh, yeah. How is that? um, It was great. I I will get to that in a moment. Okay. Um, But each day, it's like this little bottle that probably equates to probably like a glass and a half of wine. And I had one or two of those left. So I'm like, let me just have some wine. And so I'm drinking that. I'm talking to my coworkers. We're on the Zoom, the Googles. And um, it was only an hour long. And then after that, I'm not kidding. I was bombed off of a glass and a half of wine. And I was like supposed to do homework that night and everything. And I was like, well, that's not happening. Um, So that's been an adjustment. Uh, Definitely very easily getting white girl wasted very quickly and cheaply. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's a benefit of COVID, if it's a drawback of COVID, but that's that's my reality right now. No, I I have to be careful because I, you know me, I hardly ever drink. I'm a very social Mm -hmm. drinker. 
when we when we used to be able to go out and stuff, I'd have a cocktail or two, unless mm. it was my birthday, and then I remember you holding me up to get to the car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because you're a friend. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, you even offered. You were like, I'm going to be a sober driver tonight. And I was like, wee, I'm going to go nuts. And I did. <laughs> um, yeah, my tolerance for alcohol has gone way down, too. I have to be careful when I mix a drink mm-hmm. for the show to sip. And there have been some drinks where I have gulped, and I don't. I don't think people can tell because I do a really great job of editing. But I can tell when I'm starting to be like, "You need to bring it back a little bit there." Yes. Um, I did an episode on the Christmas podcast, keeping the Yuletide gay. Just a little plug available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Um, I did an episode about eggnog. Are you a fan of eggnog? So I have never had eggnog, so I cannot okay. weigh in one way or the other. Okay. So I haven't had it since I was like a little kid and I thought it was disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do this episode about eggnog. I should try eggnog. And so I found some already pre-made eggnog because the thought of making it honestly turns my stomach. Mm-hmm. And um, I did some research on it because I'm a nerd and I went out and bought bourbon. I think it's bourbon you put in it. And I made two glasses of eggnog for the show. I made one with the bourbon whiskey um, and some cinnamon on top. And then I made one with Malibu mm-hmm. and cause I thought, well, it's rum. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> right. And I will tell you, I, I enjoy Malibu. I don't think it goes in eggnog. Let's just put it like that. Mm-hmm. But I, the eggnog with the bourbon in it, girl. Yes. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I may have had one or two glasses, but by the end of that recording, I was sloshed. Mm-hmm. I have not, whiskey does that to me too, though. Like dark liquor really affects me quicker. Yeah. Um, but I realized, like, I was like, you don't drink like you used to. You can't be chugging back glasses of eggnog. Like, I realized, like, I was like, I wanted to go get food. I had to have it delivered. There was no way I could get behind the car. Like, I was just, like, stumbling around my own apartment. Okay, so I have a confession confession to make. So that day a couple weeks ago when I got wasty from my glass and a half of wine, uh, I definitely drunk door dashed some pizza. And it wasn't just pizza. It was pizza. It was pasta. It was potato skins. It was toasted raviolis. All for me. Yes! It was a mess, but it was delicious, and I did not regret it the next day. No, I I didn't either. I don't even remember what I got, but I was like, this is the best food ever. And I ended up talking, I know I talked to Peter that night, my friend who lives in it, who's been on the show a couple times, he's my He-Man friend, and I know that he was like, girl, (laughs) what's going on with you? Um, That's the beauty of delivery, though. You know, you just hop on your phone, and then it's there 30 minutes later. Yeah. Well, and then, they, you know, you don't have to talk to people. They just send it yes. to the door, which is even better. Yes. Um, well, speaking of drinks, we always have cocktails or mocktails. Uh, what are you sipping on uh, tonight during the show? So uh, I am actually pounding Pedialyte. <laughs> 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 and, but I, I have good reason for it. So I finally, luckily, I am getting my COVID vaccine tomorrow, my first dose. And I have heard from the interwebs that the more hydrated you are, like the day or two before, the less symptoms you're going to have. And let me put an asterisk there. I am not a medical professional. I do not have facts. This is straight from the interwebs. Uh, But I figure 
it can't hurt to be hydrated. No. So um, I've got my little grapey grape, my Pedialyte, and just uh, doing that. I, I have not heard that, but I can see why that could potentially be better for you. I mean, you should be hydrated anyway. but Right. Yeah. So it, I'm like, this isn't going to hurt me, but maybe it'll no. help. But if I was drinking a typical thing, it would most likely be sangria because that is my jam. And yeah. um, I will say that over the last few years, I really have going to be kind of kind of snooty here. I've really upped my sangria game. I'm kind of to the point where I can look and say, okay, I have these fruits laying around. I have this wine. Let's put that together, put something carbonated in it. Boom, boom, bang. It's going to be delicious. And um, my very best recipe of mine, if I'm being honest, actually the secret is once you have the fruit and the wine and like the ginger ale or the club soda right before you serve it if you put just a dash of malibu in yeah it takes it to a whole new level so that's I that is my this. secret so you're welcome that is what has you know amped up when... my sangrias but yeah just a tiny little bit at the end and you're like whoa this is like totally elevated when we have our pickleman's date our Pickleman's Picnic, will you make some sangria with Malibu in it? Yes, we can uh, smuggle it in, because I don't think you're supposed to drink in parks. But... Oh, no, we're not eating there. We're going to go to a park. We've already figured <laughs> this out. Yes, and I will well... say what has like caused me to you know kind of be at that level. Uh, my family, actually, we have an annual tradition. Uh, couldn't do it last year because of COVID, boo. Uh, but we have an annual tradition where we have a sangria showdown. And um, this year, this past year, 2020 would have been our sixth year. So this is a recurring thing. We have an official hashtag. We have an official blind judging sheet. Uh, Every year there's a theme. So uh, the sangria itself has to kind of match with that theme. And then we also have a separate prize for uh, presentation or display. And so this is something we take very seriously. Um, Is there a prize or do you just get bragging rights? So there is a prize. We actually have an engraved picture that travels around. (laughs) And for the year that you uh, are a winner during your reign, you get to keep that picture. And I believe it was the fourth year that I finally won. I took the first place prize. You better believe that the next day that I had work, I took that picture in and had it on my desk for everybody to (laughs) admire and ask questions. Um, So that's the prize for the sangria itself. And then for the uh, presentation, we found a really great little like trophy on Amazon that is basically, you know, kind of like your trinkety trophy on the bottom with like a wine glass on it. And it says... uh, Something like best in glass or something like that. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, so that's for the um, for the presentation. So that's, yeah, that's a really fun thing that my family does that we've come to look forward to every year. And, you know, really there are no losers because you have everybody kind of sitting around and everybody has the blind taste test and they get a little, like, Dixie cup of whatever sangria they're sampling. <laughs> so by the time you get through six or seven of those, you know, everybody's wasted anyway. So it's always a good time no matter what. But very competitive and something that's uh, definitely missed during COVID. Oh, it sounds amazing. Yes, I we, we had um, sangria, but... custom coasters made the first year. And it's funny, we were going to do them in sequential years, but the woman on Etsy that we bought them from is no longer there. Uh, But even now, what, six years later, 
all of us will randomly find one of those coasters because I think I got like a hundred pack. <laughs> so they just <laughs> they show up. You know, you are looking through a drawer. Oh, there's one of those coasters. You open the freezer. Oh, there's one of those coasters. Like, oh, in my shoe, there's one of those coasters. They just show up everywhere. I love it. Yes, I love it. I also just love that you put Malibu in a sangria. I. Okay, I have always been a Malibu fan. And when I was first starting, because that was when I was first kind of starting to experiment with sangria, I was like, what else can I add to this? Because I like my stuff sweet, um, sometimes too sweet. But I was like, what can I add? Just give it a little, little pucker of sweetness. And I was like, mm, I'll just toss in Malibu and see what happens. And it was a win. And I think that's the best sangria is honestly, like, you really don't need an expensive wine. You just say, okay, what do I have? Let me throw it in, see if it works. And 90% of the time it does. I, I mean, I love a good sangria. Oh, I do. I just don't ever think about making it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, just drink somebody else's. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I love Malibu. <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> it's not a put on. And I think sometimes people are like, does he really drink that much? Mal-? No, I really do. Like, you know, when I go out, what am I going to order? I'm going to order something with Malibu in it. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a great birthday gift for Jason? A bottle of Malibu makes me happy. Um, and as the show has been on, I've been getting more and more bottles of Malibu, which is fantastic because mm-hmm. my Malibu budget has shrunk because I keep getting all these gifts. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm never going to turn down a free Malibu. There's just, who would do that? Yes. So, uh, so my college days, um, when I could legally drink, wink, wink, um, <laughs> I was a big fan of uh, cranberry juice and Malibu. Just getting that. Yes, that's a nice little one. And then I will, if I'm tooting my own horn here, which I'm doing a lot, um, I make a really good rum punch, too. And that's the same type of thing. You just get some kind of flavored juice. You get your Malibu. You get something carbonated, you know, like a 7-Up or a ginger ale or something. You just start mixing, and you really can't go wrong. Well, I, I agree with that because that's what I've done the past two shows. Last episode with Jesse, I threw a bunch of stuff together and I called it What's in My Mouth. It's <laughs> <laughs> the greatest name for a drink ever. But it had like six or seven different kinds of Malibu in it. Mm. And tonight I was like, okay, what am I going to make? Um, I didn't have any Diet Coke because normally I would just do a regular Jason, which is, you know, Diet Coke and lime mm-hmm. twist and regular Malibu. So tonight I was like, okay, I've got cranberry juice, I've got pineapple juice, I've got mango Malibu, um, and I have I have a plethora of Malibu now, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, I have every flavor you can buy in the state. Um, so I was like, okay. I poured in regular Malibu as a base, just mm-hmm. regular coconut Malibu. And then I was like, all right, so we're starting with that. Let's give it a good little coconutty yum yum. And then I thought, you know what? Why don't you throw in some mango? So if you've, I don't know if you've had Malibu mango yet. I have not, but I've gotten mango juice and put that in with Malibu. So I'm sure. It's the same minus the coconut. Like it's actually just rum flavored with mango juice. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have the coconut taste. Mm -hmm. So it's just, which is delicious. And I, I love mango almost as much as I love original Malibu. Mm -hmm. Like it has, it has climbed really, really high. Um, not as high as strawberry Malibu, which we can talk about. Oh. Um, strawberry Malibu is like li- liquid daiquiri. It's so good. See, I drink it straight. I like, have that's not how much I loved it. branched out. I'm still just on like your traditional oh. Malibu. But uh, one thing I will say, 
Missouri Boo, if you go to their mm-hmm. casinos, you have to pay for drinks. But so mm-hmm. my family is from the East Coast. So if you're in Atlantic City, uh, and recently we were in New Orleans and we were in Biloxi, all of those places, if you're on the casino floor, your drinks are free. And oh, so, so our beautiful. favorite thing to get when we are... Um, you know, sitting in front of a slot machine is a Malibu Bay Breeze, which is your standard oh. Malibu pineapple juice and just a splash oh. of cranberry. And that, yes. like, you just can't go wrong. You can't. Well, it's kind of like what I made tonight. So I threw in the regular Malibu. I threw in some mango Malibu. I threw in a bunch of pineapple juice and I uh, a good a good fourth of the glass with cranberry juice. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious. I'm halfway through it. Girl. So I gotta sit down. <laughs> but I've decided to call it a fruit's delight. Yes. Because I'm a fruit and it's delightful. Yes, I love all um, of that. And it's it is beautiful. It is such a cute shade of pink. Mm-hmm. And I just did it in a short glass, you know, with some ice, a little little clinky clink. And um yeah, I've been sipping on it and I just realized that I'm down to half a cup, so I gotta kinda ease back we still got a whole show to do yet that's so easy to do so i have another story so uh, a few years ago it was right after i turned 21 my aunt and i were at the casino in atlantic city we had a day off and um we were there in the morning so we were uh, don't judge us they're open 24 hours <laughs> we're there in the no morning judgment. and um, we're like well it's free let's just get some mimosas so we were having you know free mimosas left and right And, um, you know, you've heard of people drunk dialing their family members. My aunt and I went old school and we bought a postcard and we drunk postcarded my mother. So we (laughs) sent that to her. So it was like days later, she gets this illegible postcard from us. We're like, oh, oh yeah, we did send that. That did happen. I want drunk postcards from now on. I feel like that that should be the only mail people should get now. You know, mail is kind of an old medium. Let's yeah. let's make it fun. Maybe it'll make it easier to get the other things on time if they're small. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I miss you. I miss mm. you. This is it's been so strange to me that we're already coming up on a year with yeah. everything. And what's especially strange to me, so my birthday was last weekend and um last year 2020 literally days before they shut everything down like that final weekend before everything was shut down was my birthday party and so it's just strange to me that it's already been a year that we're now coming up on this and it's just it's surreal time time has no meaning anymore it really doesn't like before i would get up like a good hour before work and like wake up do breakfast now i'm like i'd get up just in enough time to get in the shower i have to look cute from the top up right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like most of us do now yes. and <clears throat> i don't know it's 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 bizarre when we talk about it because people are like oh do you work from home and i'm like yes i do and they're like oh when did you go home and i, I was like i was one of the first to go mm-hmm. like i was told to go before we started closing branches of the bank down like it was like nope go home get set up start getting ready start getting acclimated mm-hmm. um you're gonna be home for a while and i was like well, what's a while and they're like we don't know and there is no end in sight as of right now. And it's it was weird at first, and I didn't do well. Because mm-hmm. I am a people person. I yeah, mean, you are. You know, like, I can be off on my own, and sometimes I need that introverted time to just be by myself. Mm-hmm. But you know that I'm a people per- I like to be around. I may not be the talkiest one. The talkiest? The talkiest mm-hmm. one. But I like to be around people. And it's definitely been a... For me, it's been a struggle. It was a struggle the first probably three months. Mm-hmm. Then I started to get used to it, and I had to find a rhythm. Yeah. 
and that's what worked for me. Did you? Is that what's worked for you? It's like trying to find that that balance, that rhythm of life. Yes, yes, that's really important. Sticking to some kind of a routine, uh, whatever that may look like, is really important. And I also, I'm looking here because I'm sitting at my desk. Um, I have a post-it note that I had written down from very early on. I'd been listening to some kind of self-care panel. I can't remember which one. And what I have on my post-it here, it says, reward yourself for the effort, not the accomplishment. And you know me. I'm an achiever. I like to get my things done. I like to check them off a list. So for me, it was really honestly taking that perspective shift and saying to myself, okay, you're probably not going to accomplish what you want to. Your situation is different. The technology is challenge, you know, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really helped me over the last year is just realizing that sometimes the effort is enough, which was not me 12 months ago, but uh, is me I now. I love that. I love that because you're right. Like sitting here thinking about that, that's absolutely true. I don't judge anybody. Like if you, you know, you, I do, I'm a trainer. So I, people go online and, and people are like, oh, I, I'm supposed to dress up. And I'm like, just look presentable. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, don't look, you know, don't come into my class in a robe, but like, (laughs) look, you've got, and I always have to say this too. I'm like, you know, I hear them go, shh, be quiet. And I'm like, no, no, no. If your kids come on, your kids come on. That's Mm -hmm. life. If your pets come running through, I expect your pets to be on camera. We, I want to see your pets. Yes. Even if it's a cat. (laughs) Um, Cause you know, I prefer dogs Right. and that's okay. You know, but it's, that's life. Mm -hmm. You made an effort today. And that's what I, I do have to remind myself that sometimes like, um, on Saturday day before we hung out mm-hmm. virtually, I didn't do anything and I felt really guilty for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, you know what? No, you needed a day that you just needed to lay down and watch TV and just recharge. And it's okay that you didn't get up and clean your kitchen right at that moment. You've got all weekend to deep clean. I do a lot of deep cleaning now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes I purposely leave a mess. So I have something to do. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And it's um, it's so strange. Guilt is such a weird thing because um, I feel like a lot of it is self-imposed, at least for me. I find myself yes. very hard on myself. And, you know, that guilt doesn't necessarily come from anyone else. It's maybe kind of this perceived guilt. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just finding a way to kind of make a shift in how you think. That's what's really helped me these last uh, few months here. I've talked about it a couple of times, but... Um... I forget how I even found it. I think it was a part of my job also is where I have to take um, development courses to like learn how to be a better speaker Mm -hmm. or a better storyteller or whatever. And one of the courses I ended up inadvertently taking was about um, this, I think it's Pomodoro. I think that's the word. I don't remember it anymore. This Pomodoro technique, whatever the Italian word for tomato is. (laughs) And this guy talked about this technique that he created And I found it very helpful while I was at work, not teaching, like when I have to just work on projects and stuff all day. And what it is, is he had a tomato timer, you know, like a little kitchen timer that you wind up and tick, Mm -hmm. tick, tick, and then it bings, right? But it was a tomato. And what he realized was, he's like, you know, you can sit here and work for hours at a time and not take a break and, and see your work quality suffer the longer you go without giving yourself that time to like get up, move around, refresh, recharge. Mm -hmm. And so he came up with this idea of if you work hard for 20 minutes, set a timer and you have to stop regardless if you're in the middle of it or not stop for 20 minutes, you know, stop at 20 minutes, 25, if that's how you need to be and get up and move and do something else for 10 minutes and then come back and do it again. And you do that all day. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Now, you still take your half an hour for a lunch break if that's what you get or an hour or whatever, but mm-hmm. you keep doing this technique. And it took a couple of days for it to really make me feel like I had an impact. But I realized I was much more productive at work because I gave myself a finite amount of time to be productive. Mm -hmm. And then as a reward, I would get up, and this is going to sound silly as a reward, but that's when I would go do a household chore for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I was up moving around. I would play music during it. I wasn't allowed to, I didn't allow myself to have the TV on. I would get up and play music. And for 10 minutes, I'd set my timer. I would go and maybe if I needed to wash dishes or vacuum the floor or dust or work on a project or whatever, Mm -hmm. I was getting more things done all day, not just at work, but at home too. So at night when I was done with work, I closed my laptop down. I could go out into my living room or if I needed to go to the grocery store or whatever, mm-hmm. but it really felt like my work day was over and now I had time to rest and relax and do the fun things that I wanted to do. Yes. That's, it's so important. And one thing that I'm fortunate enough is that I, you know, have an extra space in uh, my house where I can have that be my dedicated workspace. And I cannot overemphasize or overstress the importance of closing the door at the end of the day and walking to another part of the house. That physical action of closing the door to say, yes, the workday is done. Uh, Because, you know, when you're in an office, obviously you get up, you leave, you go home. But when the lines are kind of blurred and you're working from home, you're living from home, um, that I have found is very helpful as well as just this is when I'm cutting it off, the door closes. I don't think about it again until the next morning. And I know not everybody has that luxury. I know a lot of people are still working from their kitchen tables, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. But that's that's one thing that has helped me as well. Yeah, I think I guess for me, it's, it's closing the laptop down. Mm-hmm. If I close it down. I have to re-log back into our network and that takes a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, why are you doing this? Just do it tomorrow when you, you, you know you're working. Don't do this right now. It can wait. The email can wait. Mm -hmm. And one thing I liked that you touched on too is, um, you know, some different development opportunities, kind of looking at ways you can improve. And that's something that I've um, been doing lately too. I found an online certificate program for diversity inclusion certificate through a pretty well-known university. And I'm one course into that. It's four courses. My second course starts this week. And I can't tell you how helpful that has been, Um, not just the subject matter, but having a kind of a community again, having, you know, going through with this cohort and having those discussion boards uh, with my fellow students and kind of learning from one another. That's something that I found has really helped as well. And um, kind of another reason, and I'm probably going to shift topics on you here, but kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to do that specifically with the diversity and inclusion, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this as well, is as members of a marginalized community, the LGBTQIA plus community, um, at least for myself, I found that when I'm trying to kind of speak to others outside of that group that may not have that experience, I feel like my lived experience as a member of this group, it only gets me so far as far as like a, I don't know, like a legitimacy standpoint. I feel like people don't take me as seriously if I don't have credentials to back it up. And maybe this is just me and just kind of thinking crazy, but that's one reason why I wanted to kind of dive into the certificate to be able to say, okay, here's my lived experience. This is what I know to be true, but how do I maybe you know, find other tools to help me be able to translate that to other people. Um, not only that, but then also how do I become a better listener of people's stories? Uh, so that's, that's just been something that's been kind of rolling around in my head. And I don't know what you think about that. So I love it. And here's why, because I've kind of gone on my own journey with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know about Safe Zone. Safe Zone yes. is a free training that you can organize or go to. Uh, by going to safezoneproject.org, I believe it is. I think that's right. And 
um, I brought it to the bank. Yes. And I, I am, I'm on one of our diversity boards. I know that's a surprise. Jason <laughs> takes on 1300 roles. Um, and one of the things that I had talked about and mentioned, and, and one of the things that one of my really good friends mentioned on the board as well was we should do safe zone training. And I was like, I want to be a part of it. I don't care what it is. You just put, I want to be a part of it. And then we ended up working together really, really well and coming up with how do you do safe zone virtually? Because mm-hmm. when we were getting ready to roll it out, it was going to be in person. Mm-hmm. And we spent, there was a team of us that had spent hours working on, you're going to take this and you're going to talk about this and we're going to have this to give away and we're mm-hmm. going to create little plaques and we're going to do all these fun little things and make buttons. And <laughs> and then all of a sudden COVID happened. Yeah. And one thing that I, what I think has happened for me is facilitating conversation has given me the confidence to say, my experiences, what I've lived, that's my truth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's where I come from. Like, I see my experience the way that I saw it through my eyes. I don't always see it through other people's eyes. And I think that's a challenge sometimes, right? Like, mm-hmm. to see your experience through someone else's eyes sometimes. Yes. And by being able to have these courageous conversations where we, with Safe Zone, um, we break it up into a couple of sessions. Um, and each session has a primary focus and we just invite whoever in the, in the company that wants to attend. And a lot of times it is, um, there's some community members, some people on the LGBTQIA plus, um, group, but a lot of times it's managers, it's other employees who maybe identify more in the heteronormative or, or, um, hetero landscape, if you will, wanting to know like, well, how can I be better? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, how do I be a better listener? How do I be better? And what we do is we we share some of our experiences with them. But the main focus, honestly, is facilitating the conversation between them. And you really start to see people say things like, I didn't realize how much I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how I was. My intent was never to offend. I didn't realize the impact that I was having. Yes. I didn't realize the impact that I was doing by saying, all right, guys, let's all get together when my team is 90% people who identify as female. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that we just innately do, right? Like we're yeah. taught to say the word guys and that means everybody, but does it? Yeah. It that's doesn't. We're starting at my organization, which I'm very happy about. We're starting to have kind of these difficult conversations um, about how we can be more inclusive, uh, whether that's with conversations on race, uh, conversations on sexual orientation and gender identity. And so um, we're looking to kind of set up more formal uh, structures to be able to continue those conversations. But right now I'm just part of a weekly informal uh, kind of dial in. We have it, uh, we focus it on social justice. So it's kind of whatever social justice um, topics anyone wants to bring forward. Uh, And I've found just... um, you know, kind of being in that one thing that I was able to pass on that I had seen on Facebook from another uh, person affiliated with pride was, uh, these, um, I guess, genderless, uh, ways to address a group. And it was this cute little Mm -hmm. graphic that had folks, friends, you know, all those different things that you could use instead and, um, being able to pass that on just little things like that, um, to other people. And one thing that I heard recently 
which um, I feel like it's one of those things where you feel like, you know, you've heard this before, but, you know, maybe you just kind of brushed it off. Uh, But one thing that I heard when I was kind of starting the certificate program uh, as just kind of a general overview from the professor was um, as we're having conversations with one another, obviously be respectful, uh, things like that. But the thing that she said that really kind of struck me is, oh, wow, why didn't I really think of that before? Uh, She said, assume that people have a good intent when they're talking with you about these things. And I think Mm. as folks that have had kind of these lived experiences that are not always positive, Mm -hmm. I'll be the first to admit I've been jaded on that, that when I start to have conversations with people, um, especially with how divisive our current landscape is in this country, it's so easy to automatically assume that the other person is um, coming at it from a bad place. But I think if we can remember that most of the time, people really are coming from it with good intentions and they want to learn and they want to figure out how they can be better. Um, That's really just, and I know it sounds so simple, but it's just been this kind of mind shift that I've had recently. That's kind of helped me reset and kind of helped me go into these conversations, I guess, with a little more hope and a little more courage. Yeah. I, I, in my mind, when I, when someone asks a question and it's an offensive question, chances are they don't realize why it's offensive. They just don't. But you're asking because you're curious and that means you're willing to at least listen. Mm -hmm. And we can, that's, that's where that conversation really starts. If that person who doesn't have that same experience as you, right. If they say, tell me, what does this mean? Or why is this bad to say? Or, you know, I'm going to use my parents as an example, like teaching them gender neutral pronouns and, and having those conversations. My parents never want to offend anyone. They are, they are, up there with the you know top supportive parents in the world Mm -hmm. i you know they come to every pride event that they can they can physically make it to they will be there they're so great and you know and they do they just i have the most supportive uh parents in the world Mm -hmm. and they want to know but they're also like in that mindset of you know i mean they've been around for 70 years Mm -hmm. like they gotta learn new things and and Helping them to learn new things, not only about our community, but about other communities. Not that I would ever be able to educate the way that someone who's African-American can Mm -hmm. about their experience. But I can still say, well, think about it like this, potentially. You know, I I don't know what that experience is like. I I can tell you what I've experienced, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was in interracial relationships and the things that I saw and how we were treated and, and just watching things happen that I wasn't really aware of. I mean, I knew that they happened, but I didn't experience them. And then I started to, and I was like, whoa, wait, you know? So I think if you're, if you're asking the question, I've, if I'm asking the question, I've already said to you, I want to know, I want to be educated. Talk to me. And I think sometimes you're right. We immediately get our defenses up. Because we're like, oh, you're getting ready to tell me I'm horrible or I'm going to hell and you know, all those things, yeah. right? So we get our defenses up. But if we take that defensiveness out and go with the intent is or, or the understanding is they're probably coming they're coming from a good place, mm-hmm. I think that can help us facilitate that conversation better. Absolutely. And I don't I don't want to say that I think that absolves anybody from responsibility because obviously Mm-mm. you need to be responsible for your actions, for what you're saying. Uh, but it, it really just helps to kind of take away some of that tension and to help those conversations uh, get started and to progress. And um, anyone that's been in uh, you know, a position where they, they may be on the margins or they may be in the minority, 
uh, knows that that kind of work over and over again is just exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. It's physically exhausting. Um, but you do it because you know that there are people that want to learn and you know that there are going to be rewarding conversations. So you just keep trekking. Stories, stories and experiences. That's what people connect with. Yes. People don't want to be taught verbiage. Yeah. Right. Like, or statistics. They don't really, they help make an impact, but you've got to get that emotional buy-in and, and I think sharing those experiences is where we do start to get that buy-in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because now I'm bringing it on a personal level to you now, telling you, here's my experience. Here's my lived experience. Here's my, here's what's happened to me. If someone says, you know, hey, well, you know, you're out here saying that that was a gay bashing. What do you know? Have you ever been gay bashed? And I can be like, not in maybe the, the like in the, in the defined stance of what that means, mm-hmm. but I can tell you that I've been in, in situations where, I knew that I was being threatened. I knew that I was in an unsafe space yes. and I knew it was because I identify as gay. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean that I've, I've, I've not gone through an actual physical assault, mm-hmm. but I can tell you what the feelings I had in that moment. Yeah. And I think those feelings would be empath- em- empathetically with someone who's gone through some of those things. Absolutely. I think we would share a connection, you know? Mm-hmm. It's all about connections too. Like, how do you connect to these to, to people who are different from you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's hard for everybody. It's like, how do I? We, we talked a lot about this when you were around with with Pride too. Like, how do you do you focus on the people that automatically are going to come out and say all these horrible things to you, or do you focus on the ones that we called it the movable middle, like right. the ones in the middle who are like, look, I support you, but I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. Well, those are the people we need to focus on because why spend your time wasting it on the 2% of the population that is anti this and anti that you're not going to change their mind in that one conversation. So why don't you move on to the people that want to be educated? And eventually those people might come around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's true. I really do. I think it's 100% true. I think so too. And I think, honestly, it comes down to, and I can even admit this for, um, you know, communities that I'm not a part of that I'm trying to learn more about. A lot of it just comes down to embarrassment. People get embarrassed that they maybe didn't understand something or maybe they were taught something that isn't really true. And when you're faced with that, it it just can be really uncomfortable. And um, obviously, we want to be doing that work, maybe um, sitting with that discomfort and figuring out how to move forward from there. But I think if you can allow people a place to acknowledge that embarrassment and that that embarrassment is um, valid, that then I think that helps too. You know, we're not going to judge you. You know, everyone comes to these situations with different backgrounds, different educations, different family situations. And I think just, you know, allowing people the room to make mistakes and to say, I didn't know that, but now I know that. I think that makes a difference too. Bringing it back to safe zone real quick. That's what I love about it is it you don't have to be embarrassed. Yep. There's so many ways. Uh, we do one little activity that we created that's anonymous Q&A. We have them submit questions anonymously mm-hmm. through a different website that feeds them to us. We don't know who asked this question. And we're not going to come down on you for asking it. What we are going to do is probably show you how to ask it differently mm-hmm. and then have a conversation about what your question is. And it takes away that embarrassment factor a little bit. I wouldn't say all the way, but I would say a little bit. Yeah. Because you get to be anonymous in that question. Is this is so deep. This is. I'm sorry. I've probably made this no. a lot heavier than it usually is. No. But I think it's good to have these moments, though, to have these conversations. 
Because we do have listeners that are like, you know, when I had Case on and we talked about using they, them pronouns and being non-binary, that was a really educational moment for some folks. Mm -hmm. And they liked it. And we can, you know, we haven't had a really in-depth conversation. I mean, we do have in-depth conversations and there's humor involved too. I mean, this show has never been, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't even know what category it falls into. (laughs) It's just a conversation with random people that you're listening to (laughs) who maybe you've (laughs) never met. Or maybe you do know me and you're like, oh, you know, who knows? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I love when somebody comes to me and they're like, I was listening to this episode and you talked about this or someone, I forget what it was, but they were like, I never knew that about you. And I've been Mm -hmm. your friend for a decade. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, it's just a conversation. But being able to use a platform like this to kind of talk about these things is kind of important. It is. So, and it fits within my, whatever, it's my show. I can do what I want. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I can talk about what I want. There are no rules. There's no rules. I love this. I, I want to, you know, I miss having these conversations Mm -hmm. because a lot of times it's just like, oh, we're just saying hi to say hi anymore. Yeah. That's one thing that has been really interesting too, for me to think about, um, now that we're in this virtual world, like when I was in the office, uh, our office was pretty friendly. Everyone really kind of looked out for each other, not just on a professional level, but a personal level. And, you know, you'd be walking in the bathroom or the kitchen, you'd run into somebody, have kind of these, you know, drive by conversations with them. But now even informal conversations feel formal because you have to schedule them. And that's such a shift too. It's like, it, it, it just, I'm going to be honest, it sucks. I, I miss that. Even though I'm an introvert, I miss those kinds of connections. And it's just tough, um, I think, in a virtual world to still have those and still have them feel authentic and informal. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, at first, when quarantine first happened, I definitely was on the phone a lot more, talking to people, texting more. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like if we talk once every couple of weeks for, like, an hour, we're good. Mm-hmm. Because it's all we do now. We, yeah. we have to talk. I feel like we were forced to talk more virtually than we ever have been in the past. And I don't know what it is about sitting in front of that computer all day now. It's draining. Yes. You don't want to have a conversation when you get off work. Exactly. I mean, having a pride meeting is rough. Because mm-hmm. we have to do it, for, you know, normally we'd all come over to my apartment and hang out and we'd eat and make fun of stuff. Maybe have some rotels, some Malibu's. We always have rotels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I did for, I don't know if I told everybody this, I may have. Do you know what I did for... For New Year's Eve this year? What? I didn't want to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I decided, like, I literally planned out my New Year's Eve for myself. (laughs) I bought liquor Mm -hmm. so I could have some cocktails at midnight. Mm -hmm. And I made my own little New Year's Eve party. I made little Smokies. I made Rotel. I made my own salsa for the first time. Oh, that is fancy. I know. And I just had like, I had my own little, I made little special sandwiches, mm-hmm. like those little sandwiches you have at parties on the Hawaiian rolls. Oh, there you go. And I had such a good time by myself. Yes. I watched a show that I was in love with and I just binged it and just ate and, you know, got a little tipsy. And mm-hmm. and when it hit midnight, I opened the uh, door to my patio and I stood outside and, you know, we're, we're in the country, sort of. <laughs> so at midnight... There were fireworks going off and I could see him from the balcony. Mm-hmm. And like, I saw neighbors that were walking through and they're like, happy new year. And I was like, happy new year. <laughs> Other people. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know who you is, <laughs> but you better have a good one. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, and I was okay with it. I've learned to be a little bit more okay with myself. Yes. And I think 
that's the that's that's a bonus of what's happening is we're developing what i hope now this is just me i don't know about other people mm -hmm. that live alone but i'm i'm learning about myself a little bit more i'm i'm going out and learning new things like this whole podcast thing was a brand new thing i always wanted to do it mm -hmm. didn't know how to do it still don't know how to do it but i'm learning yeah but it's kept me sane yes you know i don't know i, I so i feel like for me like quarantine's been good in that effect that it's like okay I'm comfortable with who I am. I know exactly who I am. Not that I really didn't before, but I've learned more about me mm -hmm. that I, when, when a relationship is to happen, I think it's going to be really good because I don't have to, I'm getting past a lot of that stuff and I'm, I'm ready to embrace someone else. I don't know how to put that. No, uh, I think that's a great weird. point. Um, and I, I feel like I've been doing some of that work as well. And like for me right now, dating is like the last thing on my mind just with everything else right. going on. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think, um, you know, coming out of this because we've had that chance to self-reflect and to kind of having to be alone with ourselves, um, kind of doing some of that work. Um, I think that's great. And um, I want to caution though, like I keep seeing, you know, all this stuff and I had read an article about it. Like if all you did today was like get up and just be with yourself, that that's enough. Like COVID is crazy. Absolutely. There's so much stuff going on. There's so much pressure for people to better yourself, to get mm -hmm. degrees, to learn how to do this. Like, while all of that is great. And while I've been able to do some of that, there are still days too, where I'm depressed as hell. And I know yeah. that other people are too. And that's totally okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that people have like, oh, this is how I've glowed up during quarantine. Mm -hmm. Cool. I've glowed up and out because I sat on the couch for three days straight eating chips, watching TV, yes. and I was living my last life. Yes. I'm okay with it's it. It's balance. And again, it comes to that guilt. Don't put the guilt on yourself. Just do yeah. the best you can. That's all we can ask of ourselves right now. Who's, who's, who's telling you what you did is wrong? And if they are, F off. I'm sorry. Yeah. You don't get to tell me what I get to do on my day off. You don't get to make me feel guilty for not... Oh, you didn't return my email or, you know, you didn't do this. We were going to go out. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I wanted to stay home. I wanted to relax. I wanted to, to just be home. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. You know, I, I don't know. You're right though. You don't have to, you don't have to do all those things. Like I, we put ourselves up to so much pressure from other people. Yes. Like we're like, Oh, well she's doing this right now. I should be going out and getting my degree or I should be doing that. Mm -hmm. no, what do you want to do? Don't worry about what you should do. Right. What do you want to do? Absolutely. Oh, we could we could have a call. I wish we had a call in show so people would call in right now and ask questions. <laughs> oh, God, I'm bringing you back on. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun. We've been going for like an hour. This is this is rare for me. Like when we when you ask me to do this, I'm like, uh, how long do I have to talk? And like this has gone by very, very quickly. <laughs> I, that's what everybody says. Everybody's like, oh, you know, it's at first I'm nervous, but then it's just like it's talking to Jason. It is. Even though we can't see, well, I mean, we could if we turned on our cams, but yeah. you know. I have a, you know, but no, but, um, <laughs> I don't know. That's why I love, that's, that's one of the things that I love about what I'm doing mm -hmm. is as much, you know, people are like, Oh, you doing it to be famous? No. Cause nobody, nobody important is <laughs> by important. I mean, nobody in like the Hollywood mainstream right. is listening to my show going, <laughs> let's give him his own show. My listeners are very important yes. and I love you. Um, even if you only listen for two minutes, it still counts. <laughs> bitches, so thanks. <laughs> um, but this is for me it's my way of getting to connect with my friends mm -hmm. and sometimes it's people i haven't talked to in months mm -hmm. um and it's okay because we're friends yeah. like that's how you know that there's a true friendship yes 
right? Like, we're picking up like we would in a normal... This is a normal conversation I think you and I would have anyway. Yeah, I think so too. You know? Um, and that's what that's what friendship is about, is being able to... You don't have to talk every day. Mm-hmm. I, I don't talk to my all of my friends every day. There's a couple that I text with, but, like, my friends have kids. You got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. If you can only have two minutes to send me a text that says, sup, and then you don't respond for seven days, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Kelsey, you know this. I take forever to text people back. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was Ethan that used to be like, cool, we were talking for three minutes, and then you spent four days before you responded. <laughs> I'm horrible about it. But there's just sometimes we're just like, I don't want to text anybody. You just, you don't have the energy. And these days your energy is so precious. And that's another thing I found with COVID is it's so precious. And really you have to think about the things, um, you know, I do yoga occasionally and I always like to go back to where they say, you know, breathe in what's helpful, breathe out what no longer serves you. And I think that's, what's really helped with, um, being in lockdown is what is serving me and what is not. What do I have room for? What do I not have room and energy for? And, you know, just go from there. You know, I, I, I like it because it's like we're accepting those things, those those things that are maybe considered a flaw or maybe considered wrong. But the other day I took a three hour nap at six o'clock at night. No shame. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's so horrible. I should have done all these things. And then I was like, no, bitch, you needed to sleep. Mm-hmm. Your body said take a break. Yeah. You don't, what, what are you going to do? Work on the podcast? Okay, great. You can do that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Work on work? Are you getting paid for it? No, then don't worry yep. about it. Do it tomorrow. Like, <laughs> anyway, I don't know. But I think what I love though is that the term binging, as we segue in, mm-hmm. the term binging used to only, in my opinion, only applied to like TV, right? Binging on Netflix. That's where we came up with this whole idea of binging. Right. But what I loved doing this podcast is is creating that segment everybody's hold on i'll say it the right way what you been binging bestie (laughs) um (laughs) what was that how was that (laughs) what you been binging bestie (laughs) i say it different every time i don't know but what i love is that my friends have taught me the a new definition of binging binging doesn't just have to be tv or movies it can be music it can be learning a new skill it can be crafting it can be video games it can be drinking it can be trying new foods like there's so many different things we can binge on nowadays Mm -hmm. and that's what i love that's one of the things i've loved about this past year is hearing how different people binge different things which is one of the reasons i wanted to talk about it on the show is like what you've been binging bestie so i have to ask you what have you been binging? What's what's something you've been binging lately? I will say that COVID has allowed for me to binge my local library. I have Yes, really... hold on, hold on. Yes. Let me just <laughs> People should take advantage of their libraries. They are amazing. Amazing. Continue. And this like ours has been really good about having like a drive up window. Uh, you know, you can reserve it all online. They let you know it's ready, come get it. Um, and it's not just been COVID, but as you know, I kind of finished my master's degree about a year and a half ago and thank you. Um, being able to read what I want to read instead of what I have to read, what a shift that is. And so I feel like I've really been reading a lot and really taking advantage of my library card and, um, kind of in that, you know, obviously sprinkling some, you know, relief in now and there, you know, a novel, something, you know, nonfiction or something fiction, you know, um, what I've really been trying to focus on is, um, 
since it is kind of harder to be having those face-to-face conversations, I've really been trying to include more voices of color in my reading so that I can kind of learn from that experience. Because as you know, we said before, I can speak on my own lived experience, but that's one experience I'm never going to have. I'm never going to be able to speak on. So um, trying to get that included in my reading has been really really good and i will if i can make a plug for a specific book absolutely um, we don't there's no reason plug so away. there's one book that i read that it's called a peculiar indifference the neglected toll of violence on black america and i really cannot understate how much that opened my eyes um because I know in my like heart and in my mind that when people say, well, what about black on black violence? I know Ugh. that that is a stupid argument. I know that that is an ignorant argument, that that really yes. is just a terrible thing to say when we're talking yeah. about violence that um, people of color face. And this book single handedly has helped me understand why there is so much violence within that community and how to kind of approach that when people bring that up um so i'm going to put in a big plug for that as a white person that doesn't have those experiences that has really helped me to better understand um why uh these communities of color are um, susceptible to so much violence even within their own community so i'm going to plug that one i'm going to have you text me that title later yes absolutely so big fan of that but yeah i've just i've just been trying to expand since i can't be out talking to people Um, at this time when it's really important to be having these conversations. Um, You know, I have some physical limitations that would prevent me from being able to go to rallies, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is something that's really helped me to kind of expand my mind. And again, to sit with that discomfort and that embarrassment of what I thought I knew uh, and to learn from that. So I have been binging my library hard and I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I haven't done the library in a while. Um, <laughs> but what I have been doing, um, I have two things cause I'm going to plug somebody else's podcast again because I love it, yes. but you've been to my apartment, you know, that I have like a vast movie collection, mm-hmm. right? Like it's ridiculous. And I decided a few weeks ago to be like, Hey, why do you have all this? Is there an emotional attachment to these? Is there something you find comfort in? Why do you watch all these? So I've been actually watching. I started watching every movie that I own. Yes. And one of the things that I am not, I won't be ashamed to admit, I just wish that I'd realized it, is I'm going through some of them and I'm going, this was funny at a different time. Mm. But was it even funny then? Mm -hmm. And I'm getting those things out. Because I'm saying, you know what? I'm a different person now and I realize how offensive some of this stuff is. And so I've been like purging some movies that are just not great, but I'm also rediscovering movies that I haven't watched in decades. Mm -hmm. And I just watched um, the original, I guess it's the original, I think 12 angry men with, I think it's Henry Fonda Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. black and white. And the, it still resonates today. Like prejudice comes out in this trial. Mm -hmm. Um, superiority comes out, classism comes out, and it's such a man. Is it a great movie? I just sat there the entire time, and I didn't move. I didn't play on my phone. I just sat there and watched it, and it's just it's so well acted, and it's so well crafted, and I really can't wait till we can start going to live theater again because I hope that's one of those productions that opens up mm-hmm. because I would love to go see it live. 
But I sat there and I just watched it and I was like, my God, this is such a great movie. And then I rediscovered one of my favorite movies, A Few Good Men. And I've watched it with a different set of eyes now. A different set of eyes and a different set of ears. And I was like, man, I never got this before. I didn't get what he was trying to do and say within that moment. Mm -hmm. I get it now. So I've been doing that and I'm I'm nowhere near finished. Um, But I've had to, to part with some things that were funny at the time. Because it was funny from a place of negativity. Yeah. Right? It wasn't funny because it... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I just... My thoughts have changed. My feelings have changed. My my mind has grown in a different way. And so it's like, you know... And I've gotten through gotten through of, of a few things that are kind of like, yeah, you, you know, why do I want this? This isn't what I want. We need to get rid of this. Right. And how and, interesting um, is that that you and I pretty much said the same thing. It's just that yours is maybe more of a tangible getting rid of Mm -hmm. and mine's more of kind of an emotional, you know, psychological getting rid of. But I just find that interesting, the parallels there. Well, yeah. And I I don't know. I just, it makes me want to (laughs) host. Back in the day, Tracy and my friend Stuffy and I, um, and Stuffy's going to be on the show and I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say it right now. I'm very excited. Stuffy will be on the next episode. Um, we started doing movie nights together and it was like, it was kind of silly, but we did themes like Tracy and I did it all the time that we got stuffy to come to one and it was great. Um, but we did themes for movie nights and it was like, uh, eat your feelings night. Yes. (laughs) And we would watch emotionally charged shows and have snacks, Mm -hmm. right? That ate our feelings. But one of the nights we did dips and docks and everybody that came over had to bring a different style of dip. Mm -hmm. And you had to bring a documentary for us to watch. And what was brilliant about it, and I I didn't really get it back then, but what I think about now is after we watched each of those or while we were watching it, we were talking about those things. Mm -hmm. We were having honest conversations about like, wow, what the hell? Like we watched one about a serial killer that none of us had heard of except Stuffy. And we were like, holy crap. Like, how did this even happen? Mm -hmm. And so I, I love that. And that's what I miss. Like right now I would be like, dude, if we could figure out how to watch um, 12 Angry Men together, we, we should do it. Because mm-hmm. I would be interested to hear what, what, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have you ever seen it? I feel like I saw it once like in high school or college okay. as like part of a class. Okay. Probably so. It's very, I mean, people have studied it for years mm-hmm. because it's so good. Or decades, I should say. So it would be great one night just for us to watch it together and kind of, I just want to talk to somebody about it because I see it through different eyes now mm-hmm. and I I just get it now. Yeah. I get it so much more than I ever did. Because some of the stuff is blatant, like the racism is blatant. Right. You see that. But it's those underlying microaggressions that we don't think about mm-hmm. or we didn't think about back then. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, God, I loved it. Um, the other thing I'm going to, I'm going to keep plugging this podcast. I mean, if they ever want me on, I would be more than happy. I doubt that they will. Um, but I would love for them to have me on their show. There is, I'm a huge fan of Law and Order SVU. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of SVU? Do you an SVU watcher? It's one of those okay shows that if I hear the opening thing, I, I'm mm-hmm. sucked in. I have to sit there and watch the rest of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which is fine. It's a brilliantly well done show mm-hmm. and it's been on for like 29 billion seasons. Yes. So these two female comedians who I have legitly fallen in love with, I think they are absolutely hysterical. Um, I, they're brilliant. They came up with this idea to come up with an SVU podcast. And it's called um, That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. <laughs> and 
I am, first of all, I am super jealous that I never thought about doing this. Mm-hmm. Never thought about it because I love SVU. What they do is they tell you a week before what SVU episode they're going to watch because you can find them all on Hulu, every single episode, every single season. Mm-hmm. And they tell you what one they're going to watch and you come back and you listen to the podcast and they go over the episode of, you know, what happens and they remind everybody like, here's what happens. Here's who was in it, blah, blah, blah. And they do a really great job of talking about it. And then they do something that I just think is brilliant. They actually go out and investigate and report back on the true crime that inspired that episode. And I... I listen to a lot of podcasts. We, we, I just do. Mm-hmm. I love podcasts. There's a couple great He-Man ones that I just thoroughly love. But there's a very few podcasts that I actively look forward to seeing every week or listening to every week. Mm-hmm. And this one has quickly risen into the top five. They're actually my number one now. They beat out a He-Man podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Um, but they they tell you the true story of what happened. Then they bring on one of the actors from the show, whether it's a big name or maybe it's a side character, or the victim or the killer or whoever. Mm-hmm. And they talk about like, what was it like? Did you research the role? Blah, blah, blah. And then they do a really cute thing. Um, there was a character on the show called Sister Peg for a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. She was a nun that would help a lot of the prostitutes out. And um, which I don't think is the right word I'm supposed to use anymore. But back then, that's the word they used. Sex I workers, sex workers, I think. Now. Yep, sex workers yes. now, yeah. And um, see, I'm learning. we're all learning. We're all learning. And um, they have a section called What Would Sister Peg Do? Where Aww. they offer resources in regards to, like, if this was a, uh, an episode about abuse or about sexual assault mm-hmm. or about um, human trafficking or whatever. And I just, I just love it. And I was dying today because I started listening to the episode as soon as I woke up mm-hmm. um, this morning because it was an episode about... A, it was like a really, it was like a, just a bizarre episode, but it was about um, a girl who gave birth to a baby, but they found the baby in a sewer drain and they found her dead in her apartment and they couldn't figure out what happened. And then eventually they find out that she was the surrogate for this family. So then they think these parents were going to do the baby harm. Mm-hmm. And um, they eventually do, I forget how they figured it out, but they find out that it's uh, this Oh, they actually, no, this is a brilliant. They see that this girl has all these books and they go to her library, her local library. This is brilliant that you talked about it. Mm -hmm. And the librarians basically help them figure out like why she was looking up this specific book because it didn't make any sense. There were books about pregnancy and then there was a book about middle-aged people with, people who are middle-aged with diseases that affect the middle-aged only. And they're like, why the hell is she reading this? Hmm. So they figure out the author and they go find him and he works at a um, kind of like cosmetic surgery, basically. Mm. And they're trying to figure out like what the connection is. And they're like, we think he and her, he's the father of this baby. Mm. And so they they try to prove that he's the father of the baby because they figure out that he is married. He didn't want his wife to know he had a one night stand with this girl. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to prove that he murdered her and killed the baby, basically. And so... They, he's like, well, I'll submit to a paternity test. It's fine. So they take his blood and it doesn't match. And they're like, we know this guy did it. And we know this is his baby. Like, how is this? This can't be true. Mm-hmm. And they do another DNA test and it hits something in the system. CODIS, I guess it is. And they find out that the DNA matches a the DNA of a child molester tw- uh, 15 years earlier. Oh. And so... They start trying to figure things out, like, well, how does this child molester? This girl's in her 20s. There's no way this child molester would have had sex with her, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to skip over all the other BS. 
The doctor... This is crazy. I can't believe I'm still talking about this. The doctor, who they knew did it, and they knew it was his baby, but he failed the DNA test, or didn't, you know, the DNA didn't match. They found out during his autopsy that he had surgically implanted a tube of someone else's blood so that when they drew the blood out of his vein, they were actually taking it out of the tube that was storing someone else's blood. And so when they did that, it... That's how the the test failed. He's like, see, it wasn't me. I couldn't have done it. It's not my blood. Mm-hmm. It's not my DNA. That's crazy. This really happened in Canada. Wow. There was a doctor who was um, charged with raping a a um, a patient, and they had his de- they had his semen. We can say that word. I think it's okay on the show. <laughs> um, they had his stuff on her clothes, and he was like, take a blood sample. It's not going to match. Mm. And they found out after something else happened. I don't want to ruin it. I want people to go out and read about it. Mm-hmm. And they found out later on, like five years later, that he had had that tube filled with somebody else's blood in his arm. And he would only roll his sleeve up slightly enough so they could stick it in there where they wouldn't see the surgical scar of where he inserted the tube. That That's nuts. <laughs> right? I have been sitting on this all day. I tried to talk about it in class, and I was like, wait, we're, this is at work. I can't talk about this. <laughs> it is legitly the most batshit thing I have ever heard. And so he kept denying that he raped this girl for the longest time. This doctor did. And they're like, well, how did she, sir, sir, how did your semen appear on her clothes? Mm-hmm. His defense, Kelsey, was that this girl broke into his home, dug through his garbage, found an old used condom and put the stuff on herself. Yeah, that's That was his defense. Great. <laughs> I was like, "What? Sir." <laughs> I'd be in the courtroom being like, "I know I'm in the audience, but <laughs> question." <laughs> sir. 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 <laughs> anyway, I am just going to keep talking about them. You ha- if you like SVU or if you like true crime, you have to uh, listen to That's Messed Up an SVU podcast. It's available on all the all the streaming apps and it's fantastic. I just went on a tangent for like 15 minutes about it. I'm eh, sorry. No, that's fine. I just love it so much. It's clearly bringing you I joy. I look forward to it. All right. Yeah, it's totally fine. Speaking of enjoy, we always like to end our show as we're, we're getting really close to the end. I know it's a surprise. Um, we always like to end talking about joy. What was some uh, joy that you've experienced recently? Yeah. So um, as you've been alluding to, uh, Jason and I were virtually together on uh, this past Saturday for um, a trivia night for a, another local LGBTQIA plus organization. Um, and even though it was virtual, it was still fun to have everybody, you know, have our team kind of in our breakout room uh, to be able to throw shade on certain answers that were... Mm, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. Biddy, okay. Uh, oh, no, we're talking about it because your joy is also my joy this week. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and, you know, it happened to be my birthday. So even though, you know, we're in COVID times, it was nice just to have a little a little something-something on my birthday. It was great because we were all in different areas, too. Like, you you were out of state. Mm-hmm. Like, you were in Nolens. Yeah. Um, no, that was honestly my joy, too. I had such a good time yeah. until... <laughs> I had the best answer. I'm sorry. I still think my answer is right. I agree. Um, The question was, what was the more common name in America for Little Red Riding Hood? 
And so we were tossing around names like Little Red, and I said Ruby mm-hmm. because that's what she was called on the Disney uh, or the you know the Once Upon a Time show from Disney and ABC. And I was like, they called her Ruby. So we all agreed that it was Ruby because Ruby just sounded right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, it could be wrong. You know, her, you know, we don't know what her name's going to be. Well, let's go with Ruby. And then they come back and they tell us this answer. And you just said it. They said that the most, it was a common name. Mm-hmm. I don't know from what time period, because I've never heard of this name before, except when you're making fun of an old lady. Um, the common name for Red Riding Hood in America back in the day was Biddy. Biddy. B-I-D-D-Y. Biddy. Who dat? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember we all came back in the room and all at the same time, there was like eight people going, what the, is Biddy? <laughs> I was so mad. I was so angry. I was like, first of all, ain't nobody called that little girl Biddy. Right. All right. Be of all, like, the phrase was common. That's not yeah. common. It's not common. I feel like they should have put un, and maybe they forgot to put uncommon mm-hmm. name. Maybe. Yeah. But they could have put a clue that's like, this is also a term, a mean term to refer to old women. Like you say, oh, biddies. Oh, right. look at that old biddy. Yeah. No one calls somebody <laughs> eight years old biddy. Right. Although it was fun Unless you're like, to share that shade uh, among the team and for all of us to be like uh, salty about it. I miss that. I was very mad. <laughs> But it was still joyful. It brought me a lot of joy. Yes. I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. Yes. And I thought it was really creative that they did breakout rooms mm-hmm. because I've been to other virtual trivias with teens where they don't do that. Mm-hmm. And you have to like have one person share their screen in like like a Google Hangout and then you all talk. Oh, jeez. It was a pain. I loved the breakout rooms. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I thought it was uh, great. The little games were fun too, but I, I had a, such a good time and it was a good time to hang out with everybody. Yes. Uh, Ethan, who's been on the show, was there mm-hmm. and um, it, was just a, it was just a good time. It was. It was a good time. Kind of, kind of like this episode. It's just <laughs> a good time. I can't believe we're at the end. I know. This is really surprising for me. I thought I was going to have to like fake an emergency phone call like 30 minutes in. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Thank you for making me feel like a bad date. That's amazing. Stop. <laughs> it's me, not you. <laughs> well, let me do my plugs real quick and then we'll, we'll head out. Cause it's, I'm hungry. I haven't had dinner yet. I gotta eat. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. My drink's almost gone. Um, <laughs> so as I'm sure you're chugging that Pedialyte. Yes. Um, just as a reminder, the show does come out every two weeks for most months. And uh, we really hope that you stick around and keep listening. Um, we've got some really exciting things coming up in April. It's going to be our one month, our one year anniversary. So I've got some cool things planned. And uh, make sure that you subscribe and that you share the show with your friends. Let them know, like, hey, you may not know this crazy little 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 gay guy, but he's going to say what he thinks. <laughs> and um, you know, he's a good time. And you should check it out because it's like eavesdropping on a conversation of people you don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I love eavesdropping. Like, I love people watching. Right? <laughs> Just ear hustling in the public is my favorite thing. Oh my gosh. I almost did it the other day. I'm totally going off on a tangent, but I walked past this lady on the phone and she was like, and then do you know what she did? And Kelsey, I was invested. I stood there because I was like, what did she do that elicited that reaction right there? I want to know what she did. Mm -hmm. And then she got in her car and I was pissed. It felt like a show ended on a cliffhanger and was never coming back. I was like, what did she do? (laughs) Um, If you happen to like Christmas as much as I love Christmas, and I do, um, 
Kelsey's been to the highly exclusive Christmas party that everybody keeps talking about on every episode. It is coveted. Um, <laughs> um, you can definitely check out my second podcast. It's called Keeping the Yuletide Gay with Gason. And it is a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just me and some Christmas friends uh, talking about Christmas related things. We always have a festive fun fact. Mrs. Claus uh, will always cook for you in her kitchen. Uh, Christmas Carol comes on and talks about crafting and gives advice. And then of course we have Naughty Ned the Elf giving out uh, what he thinks are great white elephant gift ideas. And um, I invite one of my guesty besties back and Kelsey, I've already put you on the list yes. uh, to review a classic or not so classic Christmas special. <gasps> Um, which is amazing because these are Christmas specials that typically you've never heard of. Mm. And um, I just did this last episode and uh, with Mallory, Guesty Bestie Mallory, and um, it was one of the worst Christmas specials I've ever seen in my life. Mm. <laughs> so uh, that episode dropped on the 24th. All uh, new episodes will always drop on the 24th of each month because Christmas Eve is my favorite day of the year. So um, definitely check that out. Also, um, huge thank you to my sponsors i appreciate your money um it's very nice of you to give me money for this show i don't know why you do but i appreciate it if you're interested in giving me money for the show feel free <laughs> <laughs> you can do so at anchor.fm slash gabbing with um we are the home of the 99 cent podcast because as i always say that's all the entertainment i can uh, i can afford to give you and um, we appreciate all of you. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who does donate 99 cents for reminding me that I'm not worth a dollar. I appreciate it. Um, it's adding up and I love it. And I've gotten more sponsors recently. So thank you to those people who have decided to, uh, to do that. You don't have to do that. It's okay. It's all right. But please don't give more than 99 cents. There are some people out there and you know who you are who are up in that 4.99 category <laughs> and it stresses me out, damn it. It stresses me it's out. too much pressure. Um, it is. <laughs> it really is because I'm like, oh, God, what do I do? Uh, <laughs> I can deliver dollar content but not $5 right. content. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Um, it's so true. So, <laughs> you know, you get what you pay for so you can't be mad. If you're like, well, that wasn't worth $5 this month. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> it's there. Uh, but yeah, if you want to sponsor, that's awesome. And if not, that's okay too. I don't, I never got into this to make money. It's, but it's nice that it helps out a little bit. Um, so, you know, definitely look into those things. And I just want to say everybody, it's like I said, it's almost been a year and I just thank you so much for sticking with the show. It really does mean a lot. It's super sweet and it's fun and, and I just like it, and people talk about it, and it makes me happy. So, I guess we're going to have to go for now. Ugh, womp, womp. so sad. Kelsey, my darling. Jason, my darling. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I miss you. I love I, you. I, I miss you and love you, too. And I miss everybody. And, you know, if I don't know you, I'm sure I love you. It's fine. Um, you know, don't forget, you can always reach out by sending us an email at gabbingwithgason at gmail.com or leaving a 60 second voicemail at anchor.fm slash gabbingwithgason. We'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Gabbing with Gason. Don't forget to check out Keeping the Yuletide Gay with Gason for your monthly dose of holiday cheer. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more.